Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler along with Lisa Cohen. Hi. Hey, Lisa. It's good to be on the Upper West Side of Manhattan again. <laughs> That's what we do. We bounce back and forth. Boston, Upper West Side. Yeah. Bo- oh, did I say Boston? You said Boston. Park Slope. <sighs> Park Slope. You know, was... you know that Park Slope is in Brooklyn, not Boston. You know that, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe I was thinking about Max. I don't know. Yeah, could it's be. inexcusable. Could be. Your head is elsewhere. Your head it's, is it's elsewhere. It's a B. It's a B and it's a similar B. Yeah. Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. I don't know. Boston Dodgers. Right. But you know, take um, it easy on me. Maybe your head is elsewhere because New Year's Eve is approaching. <laughs> it's still a little bit away, but I'm wondering if your mind is on New Year's resolutions. Oh no. no. And that's what's drawing no. your attention. I don't do. I don't do those. You don't do re- you don't do resolutions? No, I I find them to be like a you know, one of these like constructs that like gyms take advantage of. <laughs> It is true. I've often you know? wondered, like, how many, how many people join a gym the first month? I, I of the think year? it's a fact. I think yeah. it's a true fact yeah. that, like, in January, the memberships go up. Everybody's like, okay, yeah. that was my moment. You know, I had yeah. a crazy holiday time, and I guess I feel like uh, I don't, I don't like to rely on the uh, external. Right. If I really want to, you know, do something, what's stopping me from doing it on March 12th? Yes, or December 31st before (laughs) the New Year, right? Exactly. I did have someone recently tell me that they consider their New Year's resolutions in December so that they then can decide to toss them as of January That's 1st. what makes it bullshit. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, of course, of course, it's ridiculous. We, we can all like pick any date and, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, bend it to our will if yes. we really don't want to do the thing. Yes. So uh, notice to our listening audience, do not ask Lisa what her New Year's <laughs> resolutions can. are. And then you'll be treated to the that delightful rant that, that deli- you just heard. I'm happy to uh, replicate it for you. Very delightful. So our listeners on the program know that... On this program, we look at the growing list of things that Milo loved, and Lisa uh, picks something off that list that she feels like chatting about for that episode. So, Lisa, I'm wondering whether anything is jumping out at you today. Yes. Let us do Black Sox. Not the Chicago Black Sox. Not this is the going to be Milo's I'm Black very impressed. Chicago Black Sox. What do you know well, about like, the Chicago I, Black Sox? I saw Sox? that movie. You saw the movie, Eight yeah. Men Out. Yes. 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 That's it. That's it? <laughs> That's all I know. 1919 World Series, Eddie Seacott, the whole thing. Big, anyway, uh, not important. Big scandal. Yeah. John Cusack. Not, anyway. Um, so this is not about the 1919 World Series scandal. Was it 1919 or 1918? I think it was 1919. Anyway, uh, this is about some of Milo's favorite casual clothing, including He didn't have any socks. favorite dressy clothing. No, 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 no. So that's part of the story here. So Milo loved to wear black athletic socks no matter what outfit he was wearing. Um, And there were a couple of things about Milo's wardrobe that were very distinctive. But what's what's interesting that I would start off with is um, when Milo was younger, up until he was probably in about ninth grade, maybe eighth grade, his attitude was sort of, why would anyone (laughs) ever wear anything other than sweatpants? Like he, he really didn't understand why you would wear something less comfortable by choice. Mm -hmm. And for the first eight years of his education, nine years of his education, every day to school, he'd wear either shorts or sweatpants. Mm -hmm. 
Now, his brother Max was kind of the opposite. Max, I think, was a little bit more image conscious when he was a little bit younger than Milo. And starting in middle school, Max started wearing like skinny jeans and other like, Mm -hmm. not fancy stuff, but like sort of nicer stuff or on our family spectrum, nicer stuff. (laughs) And then at some point they completely switched, like in like eighth or ninth grade, Max had decided, "Ah, I'm kind of done with... So Max was Why in like eleventh grade. Wear? <laughs> yeah. Max in eleventh grade. He's like, I'm kind of done with jeans and like nice shirts. I'm gonna go to start wearing sweatpants. And at almost the exact same time, Milo figured out, you know, uh, there's more to life than just sweatpants. And I can kind of look kind of nice if is I put there, on a pair though? of jeans. Is there? Well, he decided, and they kind of that could be a good uh, Milo like a T-shirt or something like that. Yeah. Quote, you know, yeah. like <laughs> Why? there's more to life. <laughs> there's more to life than sweatpants. That's true. So, but they did make that switch. But other than that, Milo remained sort of. I would say his wardrobe was um, similar to his diet. He knew what he liked and he would eat in the case of his diet or uh, wear in the case of his wardrobe the same things repeatedly. So Milo loved um, to wear black socks, I've mentioned already. Um, When he was very young, he loved to wear a visor, not a hat, but a visor. And with his big curly mop of hair, Mm -hmm. it would always look funny and and, and adorable. Sticking out the top, absolutely. he loved to wear just pajamas and slippers around the house, not socks, but slippers. And he loved what pajamas. Kind, like the mules or like the full? They were like fluffy on top and had like a soft bottom, just like anything really mm. soft. Mm. Um, and he loved wearing pajamas around the house, as I said, with pockets in them. And he kind of walk around like he was kind of had his hands in his pajama pockets. But the requirement for all of that stuff was it all had to be soft. Mm. He just loved like really soft clothing. I'm going to come back to that um, because there's a story that I'm thinking of now. So we'll definitely come back to that concept. But um, just on the subject, continuing on the subject of the things he loved to wear, um, he would tie his sneakers when he bought them and then never again. He would just slip mm-hmm. his feet in and out of those shoes. Sort of the same idea, comfort first and and um, sort of ease of use first. Um he loved wearing a flat brim baseball baseball hat. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, I'm not sure whether it's the way that kids' heads are shaped now, but I don't know if you've ever tried well, to put Milo's on head. <laughs> yeah, it was it was large. I mean, <laughs> it's true, it's true. I mean, Lisa, we can talk about this that our kids shared clothing when they were very very young. <laughs> Have we not talked about? This I don't know. On the the way, pod I don't think before? we've talked about this on the podcast before. <laughs> that you know, we we lived. We've been very, very close with Dave and Lisa, and our kids have been very close with Isabel and Henry. And we shared clothing with the kids as they grew up and were different sizes. And we had to explain to Dave and Lisa why it was that uh, when the kids were young, any time that we would give them a T-shirt... Well, Milo Milo was born something like six weeks maybe before Henry. Before Henry, right. Yeah. yeah. So if, and Milo was a big baby and Henry was small... So Henry, on occasion, would take a T-shirt from no, Milo. but also, too, I mean, those two months, there's massive growth. Yeah, that's true, so, too. So that's, that's what it was, too. right? She was giving yeah. me the, like, that's very right. newborn that's right. stuff. That's yeah. true. And Lisa had to ask at some point why it was the case that all of Milo's T-shirts had scissor slices around the <laughs> collar in the back. And we had to explain that either Max or Milo... Their head was so large when they were younger that we couldn't get the shirts over their heads. So we had to take a scissor to the back of them so the shirts would fit over them. Max, I'm so sorry telling this story. I really apologize. But it's true. But it's a true story. Um, Yeah. So um, 
that's um, that's a story Max probably not going to be that happy about hearing on on the podcast. <laughs> but but it, it, it we're, we're we're nothing if we're not real here. Um, but Milo loved flat brim baseball caps, and I've tried on his hats over the years, and it's like a different shape. Those hats are like round, and they don't fit. I mean, my head's an unusual shape too, but um, but those hats were very uncomfortable. But Milo always liked to wear them, and in fact, at his sleepaway camp, Camp Starlight, which we've spoken about before, some of his bunkmates who continued on at camp as CITs and then eventually as counselors instituted at Camp Starlight in the bunk that the upper seniors reside in. Um, Every year they do a Milo day and one upper senior is named Mr. Milo or something Mm -hmm. like that on that day. And for that day, all of the seniors, I think it might be just the upper seniors, wear basketball shorts, which Milo loved to wear, black socks pulled up all the way, we've already mentioned, um, a T-shirt with a basketball jersey over it, which Milo loved to wear, a basketball jersey, a flat-brim baseball hat, and to carry a tennis racket in their left hand. <laughs> and they all walk around camp all day um, in that outfit. And that really says it all about sort of a typical Milo summer outfit. Add, add just sweatpants and a hoodie, and it becomes the winter outfit. Right. Um, but we saw pictures of all of the upper seniors, probably about 35 or 40 boys, all dressed just like Milo. And it was so great. like everything else. So great. So heartbreaking, but such a beautiful, a beautiful gesture by Milo's bunkmates, his dear friends. And um, also by the camp. It was really a nice thing. I mean, he made an impression. He made he definitely, he definitely made an impression. And um, those were special friends. We've talked about that before, but getting back to this idea of, of soft clothing, you know, Milo's whole life, and this is separate and apart, but related to clothing he really had a an affinity for soft textured clothing, soft textured blankets. I already mentioned the slippers that were like really soft. Um, even in the winter, uh, like mittens or gloves that were soft on the inside, um, winter hats that were sort of fleece on the inside. And it was just something that was uh, always in him and we always noted it and we always thought that it was indicative of sort of his personality. Um, even though he became sort of a more cynical, um, dry, sarcastic teenager, he always there was always sort of a core of softness to him and empathy mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And we always kind of thought that that tactile softness was indicative of a softness to him as a human being. And when I talk about softness and Milo and clothing, I have to think about um, Alana's older sister, Alicia, went to University of Michigan. And at some point, Alana came to own a t-shirt that just says Michigan on it. It's a gray t-shirt. It says Michigan on it. I think either Alicia had gotten it for Alana when Alicia was in college or one way or another, Alana got her hands on it. It was in, It was such a soft t-shirt it had been washed a thousand times mm. and it was like an adult medium. But from the first time Milo laid eyes on it and became aware of its existence, he always liked to hold that t-shirt and like mm. kind of snuggle up with it. It was almost like a teddy bear for him. And when he was 
big enough, but still way too small to actually be wearing it. He would wear it to bed. Aww. It's like this Michigan t-shirt. And he was probably seven or eight years old when he went from like kind of holding it to, to wearing it. Mm. And then I think about him as he got older, he took ownership of that t-shirt and he wore it all the time. He always loved that t-shirt and we still have it. And we have a lot of pictures of Milo wearing that t-shirt. And it was a really, uh, just a special article of clothing. Another example of something. It. We should frame it. Yeah. Maybe we will. Yeah. Is another another really, really small and intimate matter mm. that becomes so important and so memorable to us because it was like with him throughout his life and well, he and also he associated it with home, yeah, and his mother. Like, yeah, that's yeah. You he know. did, he did. And um, when he was really young, he called it her meh shirt, <laughs> like short for Michigan. He called it meh, <laughs> and he would say to her, you know, put on meh, and then he would like to like kind of snuggle up Aww. with her, and then he would take the t-shirt himself and mm. and snuggle up with it, and he just called it his meh shirt. Um, and I'm sure we have pictures, and if people visit the Instagram page for the podcast at Milo time podcast. I'll put up a picture of, or two of Milo in the t-shirt, probably from even more recent years when the shirt actually fit him. I mean, it was so big that it really fit him when Mm -hmm. he was 16 years old. It fit him properly, but he was wearing it for seven, eight, nine years already by that time. Um, Special memories. Yeah. Special memories. That's awesome. I wonder if the, uh, the pointy pizza slice was part of his like wanting to like softness. Like it was like there was something sharp about it. And so he cut it off to like smooth it down almost. You know, I never thought about it before, but that's absolutely brilliant and very, <laughs> very possible. Absolutely very, very possible. The idea that a point is a sharp edge. Um, I never thought about it before, but it you really, really may have something there. And I'm being totally honest about it. I know I've mentioned this before, but um, I have to give a shout out here to our dear friend, Andy Edison and Donna Edison, our dear friends and their uh, beautiful daughter, Shelby. I still get pictures from Andy a couple times a year, maybe sometimes every month of a piece of pizza when they go for pizza with the tip cut off, just mentioning that they're thinking about Milo. Just to be clear, it's probably not good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, it, it, it probably wasn't good in Houston. Who knows about the pizza scene right. in Bend, Oregon? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, that's all the time we have on this episode of Milo Time. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me as always. My pleasure. And thank you all out there for listening to another episode. And of course, Be sure to join us for the next episode of Milo Time, where we one more time listen to uh, take a look at the list of things that Milo loved. And as I've mentioned in recent episodes, be sure to stay tuned for the idea of machines and Jared Fontaine, the lead singer of the idea of machines version of Sweet Lefty in its entirety, a song written about and dedicated to our beautiful boy Milo. Thanks again for listening.